0: Hello, trucker, folks. That's their tune downtown, and welcome to downtown Des Moines today, uh, the cultural and culinary crossroads of America, where we are broadcasting the Fallon Farm from the studios of Lorena, 1260 AM and 96.5 FM. A quick shout-out to some of the local businesses that help make this program possible, uh, thanks to Gateway Marketing Cafe at 20th and Woodland in the Sherman Hill neighborhood, my grocery store, and a great place for breakfast, lunch, and supper. Thanks also to Story County Veterinary Clinic. Uh, that Dr. Kim Holdings' uh, business, she's been oper- She's been taking care of critters, uh, large and small, for over 30 years at Story County Veterinary Clinic. Uh, thanks also to Ritual Cafe at 13th and Locust in downtown Des Moines, Fair Trade Coffee, Fair Trade Tea, and an all-vegetarian menu. Thanks also to Bold Iowa, building urban-rural alliances to fight climate change and push for sane, in, uh, a, a sane, a sane renewable energy policies. There we go. Thanks also to Catering by Sid. Sid Cohn, the owner, uses uh, as, as many fresh and local ingredients as she can, and all of her arrangements are custom-made. That's Catering by Sid. And finally, thanks to Cinco de Mayo Restaurant, located on Southeast 14th Street in Des Moines. Uh, Cinco de Mayo uh, is authentic Mexican food at great prices with very friendly, helpful service at Cinco de Mayo Restaurant. Okay, so um, later in the program, we'll be talking about the, uh, the rush of presidential candidates here in Iowa. We'll be talking about some good climate change news uh, thanks to uh, the uh, I, thanks to the U.S. Supreme Court, the Massachusetts Attorney General, and our friends at ExxonMobil. We'll also talk about why the 70% marginal income tax for multimillionaires is actually a good thing for America. And later in the program, we'll talk about the amazing reality that lynching is finally almost a federal crime. Uh, but first, I want to welcome... Uh, Welcome, Mindy Callison with Bailing Out Benji to the show. She's going to join me and Charles Goldman. Yes, you're you're stuck with Charles the entire program today, I'm afraid. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, a Big ruling last week. The uh, Again, U.S. Supreme Court, the, uh, the Roberts Court, the uh, conservative court that Trump is trying to pack, uh, ruled against uh, Iowa's ag-gag law. They basically said it was not constitutional. Right. And this is a big deal because... Um, well, in, in your world, um, Mindy, you you uh, you advocate for um, well against abusive puppy mills, and there are there are folks about who are concerned about food safety, about animal welfare. There's a whole range of folks who think this uh, Supreme Court decision is a pretty darn good idea.
1: This uh, decision by the Iowa Supreme Court was US, groundbreaking. Right? U.S. Was it U.S. I believe.
2: No, Iowa. That's oh, why wow. was Supreme Court. Oh, okay, problem. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I that's
1: okay. Um, but, yeah, it's groundbreaking. Only three other states have been able to overturn gag and North Carolina is still pending in litigation trying to overturn it. So, Well,
2: that's still true. Still trying to clean up the uh, pig feces from the floods. Right. what <laughs> I make that decision. Right. And those
1: those photos, I'm sure you all saw on Facebook during the hurricanes, how horrible the hog confinements were in North Carolina during that hurricane. Yeah. It was that very, very
0: a sad. It a lot uh, of absolutely. havoc. It yeah. did.
1: It did. And it kind of brought up the fact that there's no plan b in case of emergency in these big confinements or these puppy mills usually they have insurance that will cover after the fact after the animals have suffered and died
0: because it's such a this is me not doing my homework i guess uh usually i do but i i I assumed it was a u.s supreme court ruling because uh, these issues affect such a broad uh i mean again when you're talking about water quality or air quality Or the transportation of food across state lines or international lines, it's a big deal. I mean, so this, even though it affects Iowa, it's going to affect everybody who buys food from Iowa.
1: Absolutely. Whether Um, they're located
0: in Chicago or Beijing.
1: Right. And prior to 2012, when um, organizations like Mercy for Animals or, uh, you know, Bailing Out Benji or Iowa CCI, when these organizations could go in and do these undercover investigations, you were seeing these large farms in big trouble, um, like you and I were talking off air, Sparbo Farms mm, was yeah, yeah. in huge trouble for cruelty and what they were doing to the animals, and it only came to light because of undercover footage. Yeah.
2: Well, what What are the legal standards that apply to these entities in terms of uh, what they're allowed to do and not allowed to do
1: inside of inside these...
2: inside these farms or the so, uh, packing houses?
1: I'm not sure what the legal entities. Say, mm-hmm. but in the footage that we've seen from these undercover, you know, exposes, you've seen people beating animals, throwing piglets on the ground. Um, throwing, you know, chickens into just, like, the grinder alive, mm-hmm. um, things that were beyond cruel and are yeah. borderline torture. Yeah. And Iowa doesn't even have a torture law for companion animals right now. So we're completely behind the times when it comes mm-hmm. to laws protecting our animals, both so, farm and companion. So be
0: beyond our food system and how this uh, this ruling favorably impacts our ability to know what's going on with food production, uh, <clears throat> what does it do regarding puppy mills?
1: So when it comes to puppy mills, now we're able to take footage of what we see inside of these places. I'm often, as the founder of Bailing Out Benji, I'm often invited to a puppy mill to take discarded dogs for free. Um, These are dogs that are 15, 16 years old that have been bred their entire lives, Mm. and now under... You know the laws. I can actually take photos on the property if I see something wrong before it's word of mouth. Um, Again, we were talking off air. There was a dog auction in 2014 here in Iowa where um, puppy mill dogs were literally auctioned off to the highest bidder. And um, because it was raining outside, some of the dogs had to be brought in, and two of the dogs fought to the death in front of everybody. I wasn't able to take photos or take video inside of this agricultural. You weren't allowed room. to. I was not yeah. allowed to. And so when I filed a complaint saying what was going on, it was my wow. word against theirs.
0: And they denied it?
1: You don't often hear back when you file a complaint with the USDA. Yeah. Wow.
0: Well, especially right now, you won't be hearing Right,
1: absolutely.
0: <laughs> Since it's closed. <laughs> <laughs> it's closed, and,
2: and it's part of the Trump administration. Well, it's interesting, because the puppy mill <laughs> issue, I think, it has more resonance for people and it does. and so it ends up on the front page mm-hmm. of the Des Moines register, and people, because of their own pet experiences are much more empathetic right but as you point out, it's the cruelty to the animals that we slaughter for. Consumption That uh, may even exceed the cruelty that we allow, you know, to go on in these puppy mills.
1: And I, I would agree that it does exceed the cruelty inside of puppy mills. Um, the hardest part for the public is we share beds with dogs. We don't share beds with pigs. And so it's easier oh, for us. I wouldn't us. assume that. <laughs> but it's and easier he does for sleep us with to his put. chickens Once in a while, I take a chicken night, to bed with so, us. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that. <laughs> All
3: right, I'm kidding. Public. Just for the
0: record, I'm kidding about the chicken <laughs> in the bed thing. Yeah,
3: but but
2: (laughs) I do do think it's much harder to raise public sympathy slash empathy for that scenario. I mean, they just see it as part of the way we process our meat.
1: Right. And a lot of people, they think that um, companion animals are one animal and farm animals are another thing. And we just need to keep those two issues completely separate. And while organizations do have to focus about those two separate issues on their own, animal cruelty is the same across the board. Yeah. Whether or not it's a pig or a dog, there's still heartbeats that can feel pain.
0: Yeah. Well, and the other thing that can be discovered by people filming inside of a, a large animal confinement is, uh, is is safety practices. Maybe maybe they aren't specifically just in 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 you know being cruel to an animal, but the practices can be very questionable uh, and lead, for example, to the the, the massive uh, salmonella poisoning that we saw from DeCoster's farms. Mm-hmm. You know, and and you know, the the Decosters um, did some jail time, I believe. I know they were supposed to. There was a lot of, there were, there were a lot, a lot of folks were feeling they were getting off easy, even with with some jail time. But right. but that's. Um, You know, those are things beyond just direct cruelty to animals that are are of great importance to the consumer.
1: Yes, and that's the other thing. Um, A lot of the licensed and legal puppy mills across the country have these horrible violations for what we would call torture for our own pets. Mm. Animals with open wounds, animals that are dying in front of inspectors, but because no one is talking about it, and no one's really enforcing the health and care inside of these puppy mills, um, it's legal, and it's just overlooked. Mm. A lot of times, puppy mills across the the country, when they are shut down, they're not shut down for cruelty reasons. They're yeah. shut down because they didn't pay their taxes.
0: Well, and you know, this is, um, industry ought to be on our side on this, because if they're really, really against having any kind of uh, of, of, of public um, eye in, in terms of what's going on, that kind of suggests that they've got something to hide, even if they don't. And, and well, it, the, the irony is, of course, the
2: same corporations that use the free speech of the First Amendment to say we are – we have personhood in terms of free speech, in right. terms of affecting political campaigns, doesn't want free speech to be employed against them to monitor their activities. Right.
1: right. And and they misconstrue free speech with – going into these places and a lot of times they're accusing activists of performing the same cruelty we're trying to talk about they'll Mm -hmm. say that activists are going undercover performing the cruelty themselves recording it and blaming it on the ag industry Mm -hmm. and if you know any animal lover animal activist they're not going to go in and torture an animal just to make a point
0: yeah well, I think this is great that we have a vegan and a vegetarian and an omnivore all agreeing on something. Absolutely. Yeah, it shows you there's real hope for well, bipartisan I, cooperation in the political world. But I think, I think it's a good point that
2: we're not making the argument that eating animals is morally wrong. But I think what you said before, they are sentient beings. You know, And we have certainly among our time here people talking about heartbeat equals life. In right. other venues,
0: right. but we don't seem to extend that to certain animals where it's convenient
1: exactly. for us yeah. to do that.
0: Well, we'll see where this goes. Um, I mean, there, again, there are plenty of other states that have ag-gag laws or variations on what Iowa had. Yes. And uh, at the same time, we see um, a huge national movement um, away from for example, uh, you know, uh, uh, toward cage-free birds, um, mm-hmm. and we see a, a, a huge growth in the number of people supporting farmers' markets, direct sales from farms, uh, and in the and in backyard chickens, for example, or people growing their own vegetables. Um, we see more and more of that. So, you know, I, I think uh, the the level at which uh, food awareness is growing is is impressive. And again, this ties in with more than just food, but. It's um, it's a big deal.
1: It's right. And the, the states that are leading the way, like California, are also leading the way in companion animal issues. Mm. The entire state just banned the retail sale of dogs and cats in pet stores. They're saying that unless a dog or cat is coming from a shelter or rescue, it can't like, be sold in a pet store. It, it and
0: it can't what? be considered a service animal? Is that it?
1: Um, No, it can be. You can still get rescue animals um, trained to be service animals. But this is cutting down the fact that Iowa alone has almost 300 puppy mills. We are exporting Mm. over 150,000 puppies a year to pet stores across the country. Mm. So these pet stores in California and in New York and in Florida... Our puppies are traveling 27 hours in the back of a semi, Mm -hmm. like the hog semis we see all over Des Moines. Mm -hmm. Um, The puppies are also being transported in similar ways Mm. to get to a pet store to be sold to somebody who has no idea where that puppy came from or its background.
0: Wow. Yeah. Well, hey, I appreciate your work on this. Thank you. Folks, we've been talking to Mindy Callison with Bailing Out Benji about the... I'll get it right. The Iowa Supreme Court's uh, overturning of Iowa's ag-gag law, again, paralleling initiatives in other states as well. We'll be back in a few minutes, folks, on the Fallon Forum. When we do, we're going to resume our conversation talking about presidential candidates coming to Iowa, lots of them and lots more on the way. Uh, Charles and I just got done meeting a a handful of them at an event here in Des Moines. We'll be back in a couple minutes on the Fallon Forum. Gateway Marketing Cafe is your locally owned source for specialty groceries.
3: It's important to know where your food comes from. At Hawk Restaurant, that's easy because 90% comes from Iowa Farms and Iowa Producers. Located at East 5th and Walnut Street, Hawk is open for lunch and supper Monday through Saturday. From May through October, you'll also find Hawk at the Downtown Farmer's Market serving fantastic breakfast wraps with 100% of the ingredients from Iowa, except for the salt and pepper. Learn more at HawkTable.com. That's H-O-Q-Table.com.
4: Times are tough, and most people are just trying to make their cars last a little bit longer. That's why you should know about Sargent's Garage in Des Moines. You can trust Sargent's to make the right diagnosis and give you a fair price every time. Whether it's a routine oil change or a major repair, Sargent's always does outstanding work. So don't give up on that old car just yet call Sargent's Garage at 515-246-8149. That's
3: 515-246-8149. Across the Des Moines metro, Ritual Cafe is known for its excellent fair trade coffee and fair trade tea. Ritual Cafe also serves breakfast and lunch and offers an entirely vegetarian menu. This unique venue is also known for its live music and displays of local artwork on the walls. Located on 13th Street between Locust and Grand in downtown Des Moines, Ritual Cafe is open six days a week. Make Ritual Cafe a daily part of your ritual.
0: Bold Iowa was launched in 2016 to fight the Dakota Access Pipeline and continues to support the landowners who filed lawsuits against the abuse of eminent domain to build that pipeline. Bold Iowa's mission is to build rural-urban coalitions to fight climate change, prevent the abuse of eminent domain, protect Iowa's soil, air, and water, and support non-industrial renewable energy systems. For more information, visit BoldIowa.com, not .org, .com. That's BoldIowa.com. Forum, Ed Fallon, your host here, with uh, Dr. Charles Goldman in the studio with me. Uh, we'll be uh, we're going to be talking about presidential candidate trafficking in Iowa. It's getting thicker and thicker. Um, we went to a Progress Iowa event recently and uh, met what four presidential candidates? Five? Uh, four. Four. Okay, good. Your yeah. math is yeah, we did four. Uh, and now, and, and that was what two or three, three or four weeks ago now, and we've got. Elizabeth a Warren, Warren right, and Kamala uh, Harris is coming through. Kamala Harris, uh, Bernie Sanders likely to run. Mm-hmm. Castro, Castro, not Fidel, announced. not Fidel, right? Yeah, the uh, the other Castro, Julian Castro. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, who else? Uh, it's just uh, uh, Tulsi uh, Gabbard. Oh, is that right? That's right. She's in as well. That's right. I mean, who – well, the the big news maybe is that Tom Steyer had a big announcement that he wasn't going to run. Right. (laughs) Which I thought was okay, uh, announcing a non-event. But um, what were your impressions of some of the candidates we met at the uh, Progress Iowa event? It's interesting because it's the opportunity to see the real
2: outsiders who we know just don't have a national uh, visibility versus those who are already politicians and well, Matt, Jeff Merkley was there. Jeff Merkley, who You're I a like a lot. Oregon, yeah. and, and, but nevertheless, I mean, he, he – the way someone who's in the Senate, who's run a campaign, speaks very differently uh, versus somebody who's not experienced. Now, I, 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 I that really shouldn't have been a surprise since we have President Trump <laughs> who, who <laughs> the, ran a bar. <laughs> the bar has been lowered permanently. Well, but, yes. but these people were outside of speaking in a much different way. I, I mean, I was, I was most impressed – with um, Andrew Yang, not because I think he would be the kind of candidate that America is ready for, but um, as many of the outsiders do, he was really speaking a, a very fundamental truth, and he was the only one there who who spoke about this. He's a um, entrepreneur out in uh, uh, you know uh, San Jose, you know where uh, Silicon Valley is, and what he was talking about is that the biggest issue facing us is going to be the redefinition. Of work, and that those in the white collar uh, part of the uh, uh, workforce have been somewhat uh, immunized against the effect of automation and, and robotics and AI. Whereas obviously the manufacturing arm of the yeah. industry of the, of the American economy has been heavily impacted, but the white collar worker is not going to be. Uh, And and other service workers are not going to be long for finding their jobs are going to be expendable.
0: And that's a great observation. Uh, It's maybe even – it's maybe not that great. It's, It's almost an obvious observation. Uh, but but fact, who else is, saying, is talking? It, right? yeah. Who
2: else is talking about
0: but, that? But uh, I mean, that's not that's not enough to build a platform. I mean, well, no. But he he
2: coupled that with the idea of a guaranteed minimum income to everybody, mm-hmm. and that that idea has been out there for a long time. Not we're not talking about minimum wage. We're talking about yeah. It's, so, so everybody gets a grand a month. That that's correct. And and the and idea how that,
0: popular is that going to be
2: with well the, yeah, you know, the but av- average in, voter? It's intriguing because it it would then. Re- remove the distinction between people who are, quote, on welfare. See, one of the problems in the United States is everybody's on welfare. They just don't see it that way. They see welfare as a direct transfer of payments to people generally who are indigent or, or far- disabled. Or farming. Or farming, <laughs> right. When, in fact, welfare is at every level of this economy. Sure. We give welfare to corporations. We give welfare to middle class people and upper middle class people known as the mortgage deduction or the tax Deductibility of your health care insurance that's paid for, for by your employer. But people don't see that as welfare. And so if everyone's going to be getting the same thing, then nobody's on welfare anymore, at least in that regard, because everyone's well, or, is getting or the is same. It, or
0: is it simply a, an
2: additional element of welfare? No, it's a recognition that work may, in some sense, be optional in the future. Work as we know it.
0: So, and he's tying that into the automation, uh, the- Right, automation is that the right word? Right. <laughs> because the, the incre- yeah, because much of what's done in the service industries doesn't necessarily require a human to do it. So let me ask you: as 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 uh, as, intelli- as artificial intelligence gets more and more impressive, and robots take over more and more of the work, will robots be receiving guaranteed annual income?
2: <laughs> well, that's you know that's the whole issue about whether they have rights <laughs> and. Right. Uh,
0: it is, it, if, a, if a corporation can be a person, then maybe a robot can be a person as well. I, I mean, I actually just <laughs> uh something
2: called "The Killer Robots," which is this whole notion of you know, will the robots turn on us? Um, I thought that that was interesting. I thought that uh, as I, I see you pulled up uh, the website on the mayor of uh, South Bend.
0: Yeah, he was one of the other candidates. Who yeah, what do you what do you think of Pe- him? Uh, Peter Pe- 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 Buttigieg. Am I saying it right? I think that's Buttigieg. Yeah, yeah, uh, very articulate. You know, very articulate. Um, Kind of a broader speech than Yang gave. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'll go back to Merkley. I think Merkley was the candidate who focused the most on climate change, which, again— And he has in previous discussions. Has, and he has in his work, too, yeah. as, a, as a U.S. senator. I think part of the challenge is uh, looking at, who, at not just what people say, but what their track record is. I mean, the, other, the, the fourth candidate we heard from was uh, Eric Swalwell. Yeah,
2: I think—I'm uh, not Travis sure Swalwell mentioned. really is— he, he, you know, he he's an Iowan living in California. Everyone who watches well, Native, MS, Iowa, yeah. native yeah. Iowan, that's yeah. correct. Uh, everyone who watches MSNBC sees him all the time because he's uh, part of the Intelligence Committee in the House, and now, of course, he's going to have a much bigger role. Although Schiff is running that same committee, right? Um, and and I, I think his visibility has mostly been around the whole issue of uh, the Mueller inquiry and and the other. Malfeasance of the uh, other members of the Trump administration.
0: Yeah, and some of these folks who are testing the waters may not run. I mean, Marianne Williamson was also here. Mm-hmm. That's an, uh again, you know, the, the the standard profile of of seasoned politician is no longer a requirement to run for president. And again, that's been right as George Will said. The American people showed that by electing President Trump, it's an entry level
2: job. <laughs> Um, but, but, man, You know, the part of the problem is, is, it's not. <clears throat> there's only so much infrastructure out there that can be employed to run a campaign. Now, as much as you know how much I hate the bolsters, um, you do need some people with some expertise. And if you've got 20 and 30 Democrats running, where are they going to find
0: oh. all these the Delaney, people? Delaney already has 24 staff, Iowa mm. staff. Right. You know, I mean, right. that's, that's – and, uh, well, the truth is there, most of the staff working on these presidential campaigns are going to be drawn in from somewhere else. Yes. Yeah. And uh, that's not to say that we don't have a pretty good talent pool right here, but with as, as many well, people be, running.
2: There will be non-paid, <clears throat> which is a huge part of these staffs, you know, because people who want to get into the business, you know, use unpaid internships basically right. as as a way to do that. Um but, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think there's going to be a shakeout. There's just too many.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the message is too there's diffuse. potentially 20 to 30 candidates testing the water. I mean, we didn't you mention Bloomberg? Right. Who came and pre- premiered one of his – and he, he didn't only premiere his film here. He was thinking ahead because a big chunk of that film is about Iowa, <laughs> mm-hmm. <Yeah. laughs> which is great. But, you know, it could have been about a bunch of other states too, I suppose, you know. But uh, – well, I, I mean, if it, at the at the present rate, the debates are going to have to be – like multi-tiered you have to we, be like uh, uh, 24 hours long to get anybody you know well to, we can, we can, we could structure the debates like a like a like an NFL playoff season mm-hmm. you know you, you you know you you've got a regular season where all we're all 30 of these candidates are tested and the, 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 the top one in each division from the northeast, the southwest, the uh, southeast, you know, whatever, they, they, they all get to debate each other. Mm-hmm. Then you pick the winner in that debate and they go on to the next level until by the end we actually just have two candidates debating. Well, the, the other interesting thing about the event was <laughs> – You're not
2: even laughing. Sorry. At <laughs> sorry, I missed that. The, the, other, the other thing that's interesting about the event is how reflective it is. It's kind of like that picture they took of the incoming Democratic House members – Versus the white men's club oh. of the Republicans, <laughs> you know, and and it, the diversity of the Democratic candidates. Yes, it's I mean amazing. you've got a gentleman. You know, the gentleman from from South Bend is a out married gay man. Mm-hmm. Um, you have an Asian man from California, Andrew you know, Yang, yeah, or Andrew Yang. Kamala Harris. Uh, you've got a Corey huge Booker. number of women. Yeah, yeah. Marianne Williams. So it it it. it it shows you how non-representative the republican party has become of the actual, you know, population of this country. And it's not surprising because, you know, you look at every every poll for the last few years has been that he has that the president has 80% approval of the republican party. The problem is the republican party is getting smaller and smaller. <laughs> it's 80% of the people who are left because the independent group is growing. Yeah, that's the biggest. And, you know, then you've got all the refugees on MSNBC <laughs> saying mea culpa. <laughs> you know. Right, right, right. But,
0: um, well, it'll be interesting to see where this goes. We, yeah. have, uh, we have a it'll make, long-
2: the, it'll make the caucuses really wild, yeah. I think.
0: Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll be back in a minute, folks. Uh, we're going to continue the conversation on the Fallon Forum here. Uh, we'll be shifting gears to uh, talking a little bit about climate change and about a big ruling, this time from the U.S. Supreme Court. This is correct. Yeah, I I got my courts Of the entire country. Yeah, regarding uh, the decision by Massachusetts to um, crack down, to hold ExxonMobil accountable for allegedly for lying to the public and to its shareholders back in the 1970s. That's a huge
2: point, to its shareholders. That's correct.
0: We'll be back in a minute. Uh, Brother Trucker folks, that's downtown, and we're back to our conversation here on the Fallon Forum. Uh, thanks again for tuning in today. A quick uh, shout-out to some of our local business partners uh, Gayway Market and Cafe, our anchor sponsor, located at 20th and Woodland. That's my grocery store, and also they serve breakfast, lunch, and supper, and have a catering service as well. That's Gateway Market and Cafe. Uh, thanks also to Community CPA and Associates with offices in Des Moines and Iowa City. It's tax season. Give Yingside a Community CPA a shout before the IRS thinks maybe you're slacking. Anyway, uh, thanks also to Hawk Restaurant located at East 5th and Walnut in the East Village where 90% of the food served at Hawk comes from Iowa farms and Iowa producers. And thanks to Sergeant's Garage where... Uh, I've been taking my cars there for, what, four generations of beaters, and they do a great job at a very fair price and always uh, diagnose the problem correctly. That's Sergeant's Garage. Thanks also to Bold Iowa, uh, fighting climate change, fighting the abuse of eminent domain for fossil fuel expansion projects, and building urban and rural alliances that, uh, that you know, that build the kind of coalitions you need to get stuff done. That's Bold Iowa. Thanks also to Diversity Insurance, located at 1541 East Grand in Des Moines, uh, give them a shout-out. No appointment needed to stop in at 1541 East Grand. That's diversity insurance. All right, so welcome back to the conversation. This guy with me here today, Charles Goldman. And uh, later in the program, we're going to be talking about how the, a marginal income tax of even 70% might be a good thing for America. Right, and that's for you, Tom Brady. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, Tom Brady as well. We'll talk about that
0: next. We want to we want to take a look at the uh, ruling by the U.S. Supreme Court uh, regarding the Massachusetts Attorney General's lawsuit alleging that ExxonMobil uh, lied to its sh- uh, shareholders and, and the general public about climate change.
2: Right. And, um, you know, the background to this is many, many of you may remember that um, ExxonMobil used to love to take out these very official appearing full page ads in prestige newspapers around the country talking about their commitments to uh, preventing. Uh, spo- you know, spoilage of the environment and uh, talking about climate change. And they were almost like – they would be usually like opposite the op-ed page. So it looked like it was an op-ed. Yeah. But anyway, uh, what's been going on is that the Massachusetts Attorney General um, had sued uh, ExxonMobil for fraud, claiming that uh, they have suppressed data – and internal documents that say that long ago, decades ago, they knew what was going on. They had their own scientists um, knew that climate change wasn't a yeah. Chinese hoax or fake news <laughs> and that um, they neglected to make this public to their consumers and that that constitutes fraud under Massachusetts statute. Now, the interesting thing was they were able to keep the case – in Massachusetts, because the first thing, of course, that ExxonMobil did was claim that, well, we're not headquartered in um, Massachusetts; we're headquartered in Texas. This case needs to be tried in Texas, right, right, right. Uh, probably before the same judge that you know just took the ACA down. Um, <laughs> but um, they lost that bid in Superior Court in Massachusetts. And the second thing was they were trying to prevent the uh, disclosure of emails going back up to 40 years, emails and other documents going back up to 40 years related to the subject of this suit. And the um, they applied to the U.S. Supreme Court on both those matters, and the U.S. Supreme Court refused to hear the case, which meant that there weren't four judges who uh, felt that it was appropriate to hear the case at the Supreme
0: Court, which means – So ExxonMobil appealed the case correct. to the U.S. Supreme it, Court after the, uh, after the Massachusetts amicus, Supreme right. Court ruled it, against it. Correct. Yeah. Uh, with Amicus briefs from
2: the Chamber of Commerce and the National Association of Manufacturers, and Donald Trump. Well, no, no they, they were, not, mean, involved. I mean, they were not involved. They were not involved in this one. <laughs> but of course, you know, no, the, these large corporations don't want this to become the norm. And you make an interesting point. The real issue here is the is the documents, hmm. because the documents will, if they show that Exxon Mobil has long known that they were destroying the environment, not just. Massachusetts, yeah. but for everyone.
0: Well, and there's no doubt that that's what the documents show. The question is, how will the courts rule? Well, but the, but the, the thing is, is if these
2: documents become public, right. their real fear is yeah. the shareholder suits, because mm-hmm. the shareholder suits would be based on the idea that the ExxonMobil knows that those shares will become worthless someday, because they will never be able to get the oil and gas out of the ground, because there'll be no market for it. Because eventually there will be an energy structure which will not be based on hydrocarbon
0: and eventually and probably soon and and, one and one one that other, what
2: ExxonMobil has done is defraud the public nationally and in Massachusetts and its own
0: shareholders and, and, and in the meantime exacerbated climate change to the point where it 's going to be even more difficult to fix the problem correct if we can fix it at all
2: right and yeah. and it, you know the punishment would be a multiplicity of shareholder suits, perhaps a civil judgment. That uh,
0: they would have to pay, so question for you uh, you know we uh, President Trump has come under a lot of criticism from the left because uh what appears to be a stacking of the federal courts, not just the supreme Court he's already had two appointments to the Supreme Court in just two years, but also the the the, the district courts and and the appellate courts so uh how is it that a court that is being you know increasingly stacked? with a very, very extreme right-wing judicial viewpoint, ruling in favor of you know, liberal states like Massachusetts against against big companies like ExxonMobil, huh? well, how do you explain that?
2: I think there's two things going on. First of all, it's becoming, I think, clearer that Roberts is becoming fearful of his legacy.
0: Judge Roberts. Judge Roberts. just Roberts.
2: The, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. Right. He's a young man. He's got a lot of years left. To be chief justice, and I believe he's becoming concerned about that his legacy will be tarnished by him allowing the, the court to be nothing but predictable, based on the uh, party of uh, appointment of the justices as to how they're going to decide.
0: And remind us who he was appointed by,
2: uh, Bush. Yeah, he and, and of course we, we, let us not yeah. For, well, we'll leave out his background, but anyway, um, the other the other thing about. What happens on the Supreme Court is, it, you know, it's weird. It's not televised, right? Lots of courts around the, the country mm-hmm. are televised, but a lot of the work of the Supreme Court is very mundane, technical legal issues. Yeah. And oftentimes on those issues, except I guess for Clarence Thomas and Alito, y- y- you know, there'll be seven-two decisions mm. because it, they actually move away from the the overarching issue and just look at the law. Yeah. And in this case, they probably looked at the law and said there is nothing here. That allows us to either rule, or there's nothing here that would give us an well, overall. There,
0: there are lots of climate-related um, decisions being, you know, being uh, heard by courts around the country. Here in Iowa, of course, we have the Iowa Supreme Court hearing the landowner Sierra Club lawsuit about the uh, the, the, the questionable use of a permit to to allow him in a domain to build the Dakota Access Pipeline. Right. We've seen the uh, the uh, there's a ruling in North Dakota. There's um, <laughs> uh, you know, there's the uh, there's also the, the big case involving a Julie, Kelsey Juliana and other young people. the the uh, the lawsuit alleging that the government has failed to protect the the uh, the future of of kids mm-hmm. by ignoring climate change. So right. there's a lot of cases uh, before various court jurisdictions that that are that are making you know the, the climate debate a much more interesting conversation from a judicial point of view.
2: Yeah, and I think I, I, again, it, it's easy to get very depressed. … about what's going on in this country and <laughs> believe me, I, I understand why. Um, and it is fear – you know, there's a lot of fear about what is the federal judiciary going to look like after this administration is done, whenever it ends. And um, – but, you know, it, it, some of it is still just about the law, well, you the- know, and, and these – there are ways of – this is, I think, a very novel way of getting at these corporations yeah. is – Get it out in the open.
0: Let people it's, see what know, they it's, knew. It's actually, you know, you, you said there was a lot to be depressed about. This is very positive. And when we come back, we're going to talk about something else very positive as well. The uh, proposed seventy percent uh, marginal income tax and how that might impact the uh, the upper one percent. Um, again, I don't know whether that'll pass, but it's worth talking about. It's receiving more conversation. We'll be back in a minute, folks, on the Fallon Forum. When it's time to entertain, think of Gateway Market to handle all the details. Gateway offers a wide variety of stress-free options like cut-to-order cheese and charcuterie, a delicious olive bar, and a wide variety of chef-prepared dips and spreads. Or, let Gateway's catering team take care of the entire event, right down to the wine and beer pairings. Gateway's expert floral designers can even customize the perfect centerpieces. Stop by or visit gatewaymarket.com for more information. Gateway Market, good food, great entertaining.
4: Dr. Kim Holding has over 30 years of experience working with all creatures great and small. Cat, dog, horse, cow, elephant... Well, maybe not an elephant. If you've got a pet elephant, you may be in trouble. Kim's work history is long and deep, and her clients stick with her year after year because they know she will do right by them and their pets and farm animals. So give Dr. Holding a shout to keep your animals happy and healthy. Call 515-232-8766.
3: That's 232-8766. Sid's Catering is owned by Sid Cohn, whose culinary career spans an eclectic variety of cities, kitchens, dishes, and wards. Sid got her first taste of the food and hospitality industry as a youngster growing up in scenic Northeast Iowa, where her family operated a vacation home that catered to an international clientele. Every one of Sid's catering arrangements is custom made, and much of the food she uses comes from local sources with vegan, vegetarian, and gluten free options. Sid will provide whatever you need. That's Catering by Sid, spelled C Y D.
4: For all your accounting needs, both business and personal, contact Ying Sa at Community CPA with offices in Des Moines and Iowa City. It seems that tax law changes every year. You want an accountant who's up to speed on the latest twists and turns, someone who can help make sure your tax return is filed accurately, in a timely manner, and properly so you don't end up paying any more than you need to pay. So give Ying Sa, the founder of Community CPA, a call at 515-288-3188. That's 515-288-3188.
0: For Matt Fallon with you here, broadcasting from the studio of Reina 1260 AM and 96.5 FM in Des Moines, Iowa, on this uh, snowy Monday morning. With me in the studio, Dr. Charles Goldman, um, who, um, when he's not uh, cutting people up and removing cancerous objects, he's uh, <laughs> studying issues. Sometimes he's doing both at once. Maybe, I don't know. No.
2: Well, it's easier now cuz I'm not in the ORs. I don't have to sterilize the New York <laughs> Times.
0: <laughs> can you sterilize the New
2: York no, Times? Is that you possible? Can absolutely not sterilize the New York Times. <laughs> well, Fox News is already sterile. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's no there's no sterilizers in the world that could take off the uh, grime from Fox News.
0: <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh tax policy um yeah, there's uh there's been long talk about a, you know, a 70% tax, uh, tax rate for the upper crust.
2: Right. And, and this came up because mm-hmm. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez Cortez brought it up. And, of course, the- As mei- one way to pay for the Green New Deal. Uh, correct. Or, uh, or other elements of government. And it was interesting because, the, um, of course, the immediate response from the Republicans was, you know, this is- Wealth appropriation, well, it, 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 class yeah,
3: warfare. It, it was.
0: She's dancing on a rooftop and it, she's, it, she's discredited. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, that's the best I can do to try to discredit somebody? Well, what's interesting because is – there, there were even some who were saying her career is overlooked. She's dancing on a rooftop. Yeah. I mean,
2: <laughs> I, I didn't get that. I didn't get that at all. I mean, well, it you know, backfired it, yeah. I mean, delightfully.
0: You know.
2: Exactly. I mean, I, I, how that becomes disqualifying, I don't know. But, you know, it, it, it brought up a discussion – among uh, people with you know some knowledge about how in fact history favors that, and all economic th- major macroeconomic theory favors higher marginal tax right. rates and now, it used to be that high correct the first, yeah. well, in, in, in fact yeah if, if you look at a graph of tax rates and growth because that's that 's the big republican argument right that if you lower taxes on people who are very, very wealthy their spending will somehow generate more growth.
0: Yeah, they'll they'll buy more yachts and hire more totally people. No totally uh, To surface on the road. Because, you know,
2: St. Reagan, uh, you know, the, the great tax cutter of the Republican mantra, you know, and, and the introducer of the Laffer curve, which is Laffer curve, named after the supposed economist who came up with it but mainly it's laughable because there isn't any (laughs) there is no economic theory that supports this argument
0: voodoo economics another Republican exactly
2: totally voodoo economics so when they dropped the uh, tax rate which was the, and again this is the marginal tax rate so let's not cry for the billionaires in this country or the millionaires in this country it is what what was being talked about is that the rate on a certain amount of income which by the way was over 11 million dollars uh, would be 70%. That is not their tax rate on the other 11%. It is only on, uh, on that level that – above $11 million. Um, at the time, the, Reagan came in, the marginal tax rate was 70%, and it was on the equivalent in today's dollars of $600,000.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <clears throat> um, when he left, it was down to 30%. And except for the one jump up from the uh, – coming out of the energy crisis – Uh, growth continued at a level lower than it had been in the decades before uh, during Reagan's years. And if you look at this graph, there's essentially – there is no association between economic growth and uh, marginal tax rates because the only people who benefit from lower tax rates on the rich are the rich. They do – no one else gets any benefit from that. That is the economic theory. In other words, the marginal utility (coughs) theory says that the the person who makes $20,000 – and then saves thousands in taxes, has much higher marginal utility to the economy.
0: Okay. This is all good. It's all true. It's uh, pretty supported. And it's politically unfeasible. Why? How is is even a Democratic Congress led by Nancy Pelosi ever going to even come close? There's going to be no conversation about this at all. Excuse me. Somebody can introduce this bill. Maybe Alexandria Cortez introduces it. And it will sit in the drawer, the uh, chair of the Ways and Means Committee. And never see the light of day. Why, 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 why do you see any other? I'm not saying it's not a good idea, but politically, it ain't going anywhere.
2: I think the Democrats have to stop. You see, the Republicans create the fantasy that people care about their economic theory and that their popularity with the base, with you know, the Midwestern worker is related to the fact that somehow someone making thirty or $40,000 really cares about the death tax or that people who make $11 million or more in income a year should pay higher taxes. They don't care. What, what The appeal of the Republican Party is completely the Southern strategy. Well, it is it- their bigotry – it is their gay bashing. It is a use of social issues that the, that the people uh, do care about.
0: I, I'm not sure that's fair or accurate, but the uh,
2: they not Why would somebody who's making fifty thousand dollars a year care about the estate tax on someone's estate who's five million dollars? They don't.
0: Well, because they 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 think that taxation on anyone is a threat to their own, you know, their own economic security.
2: Really, and if if the if the seventy percent tax rate is shown to allow the marginal rate on their income to be dropped, do you think that well, they're going to have a problem with that?
0: Well, I, I, think, I think they will because you'll have the right-wing machine, which is, again, most of commercial radio mm-hmm. uh, and Fox News and others who are just uh, – who will hammer away at it relentlessly to the point where people will believe that, hey, oh, my economic well-being is threatened too because some guy earning, earning uh, you know, $100 million a year is so <laughs> going to be – paying a ton more in taxes i'm next but this is the way the republicans always play the democrats
2: they say oh no you you can't engage in class warfare well the problem is too you've got too many democrats who are also very wealthy right yeah well then we have the wrong democrats i mean this you're supposed Mm -hmm. to be doing what's best for the country yeah not what's best for yourself right and i would say no you have to present this to people so they understand it don't just talk Mm -hmm. about the 70 percent rate talk about what you can do with that additional revenue here's what i really want to know is um what does Tom Brady think of this? <laughs> well, it, I assume it will be the same thing he thinks that the rest of the league
0: thinks about the Patriots, right? <laughs> oh, no, you, you're referring to the quote where he said they all think – Everybody all... thinks we suck. <laughs> I, I, he, had to be, he had to be saying that with a little twinkle of mischief in his eye. Oh, I'm sure he was. Yeah.
3: <laughs> no, I mean
2: I, – I, 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 see, I disagree with you. I think that um, the Republican tax reform, which it wasn't, has been a dismal failure. I think that people are going to see their taxes are higher, not lower, when they finally pay taxes this year. if the IRS ever reopens and
0: um <laughs> it 's not an essential service and
2: that it? people i I don't understand people paid seventy percent in the past and they and, and supported that system and people got elected it 's only recently that we believe this idea that somehow um, rich people should have carte blanche to accrue as much wealth as they can. I mean, you're going to have you're going to have a, a divorce in which 60 billion dollars is going to be transferred as part of the settlement. You
0: know, that's well, obscene. Wait, wait, what are you what are you referring to? Well, Jeff Bezos. Oh, OK. Yeah. 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 Um, Amazon. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, that's not, that's obscene. It you know, well, not,
0: how much of the lawyers going to make on that one? Well, I'm sure they'll make plenty, but, I mean, that's not the point. (laughs)
2: Um, No, I I disagree. I I think that you can make the case that this country has succeeded in the past with high marginal rates. Okay. And that a country that's in debt trillions of dollars needs to do this. And I think
0: you'll see that in the Democratic primary caucus season coming up. But I'll bet whoever wins the nomination, unless maybe it is – unless somebody truly progressive and populist wins the nomination on the Democratic side, maybe you'll see that conversation continue. But remember, remember back in twenty ten, twenty eleven, economic inequality was not part of the conversation mm-hmm. until the Occupy movement changed that. Right, right, Occupy for all its flaws accomplished some amazing things, and one of them was changing the debate. Uh, but of course, it was only it was Obama that talked about economic inequality. You didn't see it on the other side.
2: Well, that's what uh, that's what Michelle in her book said. Michelle Obama said in her book that was the problem. You know, because they ended up having to go to marriage counseling. He said because he'd be sitting up nights thinking. How do I take care of economic? He would literally sit there nights thinking, "What should I do about economic inequality?" Yeah, something I'm sure that president does not bother the president Trump speech. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, no. I, I think Trump his probably sleep. thinks his about, sleep. Trump probably
0: thinks, <laughs> "What can I do about economic inequality?" Because I don't have enough. Probably, you're right. <laughs> you're probably right. All right. Anyway, well, um, I, yeah, I, I don't. I, I think you have more optimism in terms of how that's going to play out in the in the in the future uh, than I do. I mean, I, I I'd, loved, would, I'd, I'd love it if you were right.
2: It would be my litmus test for political courage.
0: I think it's a good litmus test for political courage. I don't know if you see – I don't know you're going to find a lot of political courage out there, maybe more than we used to. I hope. Yeah. I mean the fact that Bernie Sanders could have done – did so well in 2016 and that we have this field of candidates, at least on the Democratic side, that are extremely diverse. That's encouraging. Mm -hmm. And that – and that might, take, that might show that there is a growth of political courage and also a shift among the electorate. But again, the problem is the electorate are being subject to this incredible machine that is hammering away at all the wrong things and getting them to believe it against their best interest. Charles, thanks for joining us. Folks, thanks Always for pleasure. tuning into to today's Fallon Forum. This is Ed Fallon signing off from Des Moines, Iowa at Lorraine at 1260 AM and 96.5 FM. Welcome back to the Fallon Forum. Ed Fallon with you here, and Dr. Charles Goldman, uh, covering all the issues that, uh, uh, that that you're interested in. Hopefully, uh, <laughs> I, d- I doubt you're going to have this conver- hear this conversation on, say, Rush Limbaugh. You certainly won't hear it on or any. Lori of the- Ingram. Or Lori <laughs> Ingram, yeah. Uh, but did did you realize, folks? Did you realize that that, that lynching was not a federal crime? That uh, I mean, I. I don't even, I don't know what the, the more recent data has been about lynching, but between uh, 1882 and 1951, there were almost 5,000 recorded lynchings. Recorded lynchings. I mean, how, you can, I have no idea, nobody has any idea how many lynchings there actually were beyond that. But that's some, um, that's, it's, that's, uh, that is deeply disturbing. And what is even more disturbing is that, of course, those lynchings continued through the civil rights crisis uh, and, and presumably afterwards. But again, maybe the lynchers became a lot more you know, careful about, about how they were doing it. There were times, of course, back in the, quote, good old days when uh, those conducting lynching, lynch mobs, were, were, um, were filming, were taking photographs, were smiling at, uh, at, the, uh, at the event that they were attending. You know, they became more, um, more subtle. Uh, you know, after the country woke up about the the injustices uh, that were continuing to be committed against African-Americans after the Civil War, well into this century. So, um, yeah, the fact that it was not uh, a federal crime until – and I should say, I should, I should qualify, qualify this. It's still not yet a federal crime. Correct. But we've seen some progress. Yeah, it's interesting because
2: – and obviously um, – the 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 bill that was uh proffered by uh, Senator Kamala Harris is is mostly symbolic uh in the sense that uh we're hoping that lynchings w- are not occurring still to this day and that um but it seems you know obvious that it should be considered a hate crime under federal law hmm. the interesting thing is that a similar bill was introduced in 2005 and was not passed
0: yeah. by well, the
2: Senate at the time.
0: Well, and some—ignore I- that phone, Charles. Do not answer that phone. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Notably, again, for, for, the, for those in Iowa listening to this program, uh, Senator Grassley, uh, he's on the right side of it now. But he wasn't that many years ago. That's right. <laughs> along, with, uh, along with a handful of other U.S. senators who— now they've now they've kind of come to their come to see the injustice of uh, of, of of not making it a federal crime, uh, but not too many years ago they, they they were on the wrong side. Well, I mean it, it, it's interesting
2: because let's look at the period of time when this was occurring. Um, this this was occurring predominantly in the post Reconstruction South, right. although there were lynchings right. in in northern states, yeah. but but. Vast majority, seventy-five to eighty percent, occurred in post-reconstruction South, and um, they were reactions to the attempt, as part of Reconstruction, to do two things: one, uh, grant the freed the freed slaves political power, and the second, uh, in many cases, to support a much more populist, uh, an anti-corporatist uh, economic. Um, uh, platform. Now, most of them were related to the main offense being uh, interaction, sexual interactions or presumed sexual interactions between uh, African American uh, men and uh, white well, women. Yeah. Uh, of course, the most famous episode of that was the the episode that led to the the FBI going down to the South in the early 50s and. Making, you know, evident that this that this practice was still going on. That was the Emmett Till, yeah. Um, the Emmett Till uh, the, murder,
0: a young guy from Chicago who right. was murdered supposedly whistled
2: whistled yeah. whistle- whistle- at a white woman, and for that he was uh, mutilated and then dropped in the river. Right. Um, but what's interesting is what was also going on in the South at that same period, the 1880s to the 1950s. Go ahead. The building, of, <laughs> the building of many of the statues to the lost cause of the Confederacy that are now the subject of so much controversy down right, south. Right. Uh It's really interesting that these supposed monuments to the uh, Southern heritage yeah. were not built immediately after the war. Right. They right. were built, in fact, yeah. in this period when the the black man was getting a little bit too uppity for yeah, well, the, I, the
0: I th- south. I, th- I think some folks, uh, some some of the the leaders of uh, maintaining racial segregation thought, "Oh, we uh, we we need we need to do our part to make sure that uh, the history is remembered the way we want it remembered." <laughs> right, but <laughs> and, and, and and so and it was it was, it was you know and again nowadays of course conveniently ignoring the fact that this is a fairly recent you know these monuments are fairly recent additions to the landscape. Mm-hmm. And these are, these are the same people who, you know, go around with the trucks
2: with the uh, American flag next to the battle flag of the Confederacy, see no contradiction in that. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you have a situation. University of North Carolina, you know, the students knocked down whatever that statue was. I think it's the Stonewall Jackson, but I, I assume all of them are the Stonewall Jackson. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it, was, it, was, it was a statue of some Civil War military hero. Uh, they knocked it down. And at first, the decision was that they were going to have to put it back up somewhere else on the campus. Mm. And now, evidently, according to North Carolina law about defaming the monuments of this heritage, they may have to put it right back up where it was. This is on the University of North Carolina. Mm. This is 2018. But in no way should we see these monuments as about the heritage of the Confederacy. This was all about the fact that the South, even having lost the war, did not want to see racial equality and did not want to see power slip from the hands of the white man.
0: But yeah, uh, I mean,
2: in spite of what Steve King, you know, says yeah. is okay. I mean, <laughs> well, look,
0: look at the. I mean, Steve King is a uh, has been around a long time. He and I served together in the state house. Um, I didn't know that. Really? Yeah. What yeah, was well, he like then? Uh, he was pretty bad. <laughs> 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 but we um we found we actually found some common ground on. Concerns relevant to the way that uh, low-income families were having children removed um, uh, by human services without due process. Um, no, we actually found common ground with that. I, I organized mm-hmm. a, a meeting in my district, and Steve came. He, he was the only other lawmaker that came. Yeah. But, you know, that said, there again, there's that thin window of, uh, of commonality you find there with this vast uh, universe of difference. and. And it just seems like he's been getting worse and worse. It's almost like the more he gets challenged on his racism, the more he hunkers down. I, I, you know, I wonder what's going to happen when this vote does come up in the House. Because right now, again, the Senate passed it. The Senate passed the legislation saying lynching is a federal crime, a federal hate crime. It's going to go to the House. You have to wonder if the House would have passed it under Paul Ryan's leadership. But now with Nancy Pelosi in charge, no doubt that it's going to come up. No doubt it's going to pass. Mm-hmm. I wonder how Steve King will vote. Again, King coming under a lot of fire lately, and um, I, you know, my prediction is that he's done. I, I think the Republican Party realizes it has a major problem. You cannot be uh, a major party in this country anymore if you are the party of angry white guys. You know, that's that's a that's a shrinking constituency, even with gerrymandering, even with. You know, voting suppression mechanisms like uh, vote uh, limits on or restrictions on felons who can vote—all um, these other little different mechanisms that have been, you know, then put in place to make it difficult to have a system where one vote, one person, one vote really counts. Despite all that, I think Republican, the Republican Party knows it's in a losing battle with reality right now, and so it's got to jettison people like Steve King, and we've seen. We've seen the party in, in a a huge way, turn against a longtime incumbent. Well, but it's been pretty modest.
2: I mean, I I could see that they would do it through. Oh no, they're they can do it through supporting one of the two Republicans who will run who will primary. The the,
0: the fact that they're not supporting an incumbent is huge. That almost never happens. Well, but see, I have it goes back to what
2: we said earlier on the program. See, it's it's sort of the same issue. I'm getting sick of being asked you know the, the question of is Donald Trump a racist it doesn't matter I don't care Donald Trump doesn't believe in anything he simply mouths what is an effective cat you know just just he mouths what's effective to appeal to his base.
0: Right, and Donald, Donald and Trump has given up trying to appeal to the general electorate. That's correct. So yeah.
2: I don't care if he's racist or not. He simply
0: is appealing to people who are racist, yeah. and that well, is and what the Republican Party does. And he refused to condemn Steve King, right? even though nearly every other leading well, Republican voice in, in has many, criticized him, including in, in Grassley ways, and in, Ernst and Governor Reynolds. In many ways,
2: you could say that some of what Donald Trump adopted was, in fact— Lessons he learned from Steve King. Because the rhetoric that. Well, that's being said. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think he learned
0: something about appealing to the Republican base. But the fact is, the fact that it's now backfired, I mean, Steve King's recent comments about white nationalism, white supremacy, white civilization, mm-hmm. uh, that's not new. He's been saying this stuff for a long time. In fact, he was saying similar stuff when I knew him back in the Iowa legislature. He just didn't have as high a profile then. Well. <laughs> but now they're turning against him. And and not and, and you know, he's got he's got he's got two opponents, mm-hmm. um, and I, I think I think the Republican Party wants him out of there. Well, let's let's turn back a minute to the lynching issue, which yeah. is
2: part of what I think. Instead of the you know, sort of deracinated history of you know Columbus discovering America and this is the you know shining city on the hill. You know, and everything we've done is always moral and fantastic. And if you don't believe that, you don't believe in American exceptionalism, and you're a Democrat. And they should you should exactly, <laughs> go back to where you came from. Exactly, well, you're a Democrat. Go back to where you came from, or you're both. Um, you know, I think it's time to teach the history of this country with honesty, and that includes Howard Zinn. <laughs> well, no, but Howard Zinn is, is 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 also dogmatic in a different way. Right. But teach the history of this country. Teach what European exploration meant to this hemisphere. Teach that there were people here before yeah. the Europeans got here. So instead of how we're you doing know, battle, battle right. of wounded knees. Read, read Jared Diamond and, and find out that yeah. God didn't pick the Europeans because they were godly. They picked the Europeans most, mostly because of luck. And you know that had to do with agricultural advantages and uh, geography. Um, teach the genocide of the native, of indigenous peoples of this country, Not yeah. start, starting right from the beginning of its yeah. discovery. Teach so, the genocide of, of of slaves, and and teach the North's involvement in this. It, yes. The South was not the only one supporting the slave trade. Yeah, Northern no, has made a no, lot of know, money. From we, the slave
0: we've we've um, we've seen tremendous progress to move beyond a racist society. Uh, we've elected an African American president. Uh, we have a, like like we pointed out earlier in this program. We have an amazingly diverse field of Democratic candidates testing the waters for a presidential campaign, and um, and yeah. Now we're on the verge of um, making lynching a federal hate crime. Right. <laughs> you know, better late than never. True. But, again, <laughs> uh, totally symbolic. Yeah. Symbolic but important. Uh, you know, those kinds of statements of uh, reparations and and statements of remorse uh, for past crimes, those are important. They're small steps, but they're important. You know, at, at some point we are, you know, we're getting to the I, – I, I don't know how close we are. But we're moving to the point where we're going to be a society that has moved beyond – Racism. I, I, think, I think it's coming. Maybe I'm too optimistic, but I think it's coming. Well, I think what will drive
2: that is, as we know, is demographics in terms of birth rates among differing groups in this country. Uh, what will also drive that? is the fact that the definition of race in this country is becoming very fluid
0: yes, and very true.
2: difficult to really, and, and we've said this before on the show, the, your skin color as a measure of race is absolutely meaningless. The genetic mm. contribution to skin color is negligible mm. and has nothing to do with a person's capabilities. And in fact, the range of, of, of achievement within a race is far wider mm. than the range of achievement between races. You know, and that's not—we're not just talking about physical attributes, but mental attributes, which are far more important. Um, and and this notion we have of race based on color, and that somehow it divides us up into people with different capabilities, is absolutely bogus. It's not—it's—it's it's fake science. It doesn't exist. Yeah. And, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, um, yeah. I, I, again, I don't. I don't. All these factors are playing into the reality that we are moving beyond a racist society but, but it's yeah. going
2: to take I think the demise of the greatest generation and some others before you you mean see baby boomers baby boomers baby boomers us there
0: are plenty of baby boomers <laughs> that have, have racial attitudes that are also oh, I Well there are, and there are young people who have that too
2: not as many though. not as many but they're, they're, much more used, they're much more used to the idea of, of uh, interracial marriages and couples and,
0: and the vision you know, the images they see on the TV on their phones yeah. and everything else are completely different yeah. Anyway, well, uh, Charles, has been a good conversation. Uh, thanks, folks, for tuning in to today's Fallon Forum. Thanks to our stations around the country and uh, KHOI in Ames and uh, KICI Iowa City, uh, KIPI in Fayette, Missouri, and WHIV in New Orleans. We'll be back, of course, live every Monday at 11 o'clock Central Time.